0: Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God, our Father, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. The text message comes from the New Testament reading of Philippians, as you heard a few moments ago. Brothers and sisters in Christ, if I were to ask you who you are, what would you say? Would you tell me your name? Like the name you were given at birth, or maybe a shortened version of your name. Say if you were uh, a William or a Wilhelmus, would you tell me your name is Bill? Would you tell me your middle name because that's the name you go by? Name. Who are you? Would you tell me who you are based on what you believe? You'd say, I'm a Lutheran. Or, I'm a Christian. What else would you use to describe yourself? Maybe you tell me your ancestry. You'd say, I'm German. I'm Ukrainian. I'm English. I'm Chinese. I'm Ethiopian. I'm... Wherever your family originates from. Maybe you describe yourself in relation to someone else. I'm a father, a mother. A daughter, a son, a husband, a wife. Maybe you'd tell me your vocation or occupation. I'm a pastor, a, a teacher, a nurse, a student, an accountant, an electrician. I'm retired. I'm a golfer because I'm also retired. Maybe you'd describe how you are in respect to something. I'm a pretty terrible golfer, but I got plenty of time to work on it. I'm a a good student. I'm a, a great listener. I'm whatever. Now, if we look at our world today, we're going to see even more things than what we've just heard and what we can find in this room. If you ask someone who they are, they might say, well, I'm just spiritual. Or I'm a Muslim. I'm a Catholic. I'm a Buddhist. I'm universalist. I'm agnostic. I'm atheist. I'm something that doesn't really fit into a box or a classification. Or I don't know what I am. You might also hear, I'm Glenn and my pronouns are he and him. Because now it's not just about your name, it's also about how you want to be called, because we can no longer assume that someone is, who is born a male at birth identifies as such and wants to be referred to as such. That's because when people are defined by their sex and gender, and the world will tell you that these are two different things, that it's based upon how you feel. Obviously, those things can change when it's based upon your thoughts and feelings, and thus your sex and gender can change along with it. It is fluid. The world will also tell you that you are defined by how you view and treat other people. Therefore, if you agree with everything the world agrees with on every issue that matters to the world, you are an advocate, an ally, a supporter, a friend. However, if you do not agree with everything that the world tells you to support and that you should be supporting, well, you might be called close-minded, racist, a bigot, something phobic, an enemy. And this is how you are thus defined. So, who are you? And where does God's word come into play in All of this. Speaking of God's word, let's hear about who someone else is. Paul described himself like this in our reading from Philippians circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. Now, Paul listing all of these things might not mean very much to any of you. But back then, to his people, these are big words. He is telling them that he is really the best of the best regarding who he was. He followed the laws of Israel. He was circumcised according to the law. He was an Israelite, specifically from the tribe of Benjamin. He was a Pharisee that kept all of the extra laws they had added on to God's word. And he was righteous according to those laws. Blameless. Which means he kept those laws perfectly. And on top of that, he persecuted the church of Christ. Because they went against, they undermined the beliefs of the Pharisees. And since they had already crucified Jesus at this point, they sought to destroy the rest of his followers. Paul was right there with them, arresting Jesus' followers, having them punished, stoned, killed. And with Paul mentioning all of these things, It goes to the idea, the belief, that by following the laws of God, like circumcision on the eighth day, and the other laws of the Pharisees, it made you acceptable to God, that it could help save you. Your works gave you confidence in your salvation. You were righteous in God's eyes because of your works, and also your family and heritage and culture mattered, since the Israelites were the chosen people of God. Yet what does he say? But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish. Paul just used himself as an example. In the eyes of other people, especially the Pharisees, he was blameless. He was the best of the best, a Hebrew of Hebrews. If anyone was worthy of earning his salvation, it's him. What Paul counted as gain, what Paul counted as righteousness, following all of the laws, or his family doing things like the law required, like his circumcision on the eighth day, or as he says earlier in Philippians, mutilation of the flesh as some view circumcision, ultimately, nothing you can do to your body can change the true state of your being. No matter how well you follow the law, you still come up short. Therefore, it's all counted as rubbish, as garbage, as trash it is crap it's worthless not that he is worthless but trying to prove his value his worth his claim to salvation gets him nowhere because it is worth nothing there is no confidence that we can have in the flesh because it is sinful Whatever we might think we can, like following the laws, we can't. No matter what we call ourselves, how we define and describe ourselves, no matter how we think or feel, we can't change the state of being that we are in. And that is, we are sinners in need of saving. We have a sinful nature, a sinful flesh a sinful heart, and there is nothing that we can do to get rid of it, no matter how hard we try. Whoever we claim to be, whoever we claim we are, there is nothing good that lives in us. And our sinful nature is completely untrustworthy. And we can't cover it up by changing our name or changing our clothes, or changing anything about us. It doesn't go away if we just ignore it, or pretend that it's not actually there. Whatever we might do to try and reason with our hearts and our minds is tainted. So ultimately, we're lying to ourselves if we think that we are able to do what is right, that living our truth is the right way. This means ultimately we cannot save ourselves ourselves. That is why we are sinners in need of saving. And what we need to be saved from is sin, death, and the devil. You see the sinful nature that all of us have, that we're born with? It's not something that we can just cast aside and just overcome sin. We are not perfect. We can't just snap our fingers and become perfect, just get rid of sin. It's not like there's this dirt covering us and we can just wash it away with some soap and water. It is in every single part of us. And it leads us to do actual sins, to not follow the commands and rules of God, to go against his will, to turn away from him and the life that he wants for us. Our sinful nature leads us to reject God and all that He is and all that He has done. And because of our sin, there are consequences. There is punishment that we deserve. And that's the, sec- that's the second thing that we need to be saved from, and that is death. We are sinners who deserve death. We will all one day physically die unless Christ comes back first. And the result of sin in this world is death. We face trials, struggles, sickness, disease, and ultimately death, all because of sin. Yet we also deserve eternal death. We deserve hell. We deserve to be forever separated from God who we have rejected in our sin. And finally, the third thing is we need to be saved from the devil who tempts us to sin, who with his many temptations, with his many lies, because he is the father of lies. There is no truth in him. What he wants you to believe is that all the truth you need Is found in yourself. That all the truth you need is found in him. And of course I've already told you that what's inside of you is sinful. And so what you end up doing is you end up putting your trust in Satan and yourself instead of God and his word. And what you end up doing is exchanging truth for lies. This is what we need to be saved from, and this is exactly why Jesus came. You can't listen to the lies that you can actually save yourself, that you can earn your way into heaven in some way. You are completely helpless. Next week is Palm Sunday, and we're going to see Jesus being welcomed into Jerusalem as he's riding a donkey, the people are going to lay down their coats, their palm branches, and they're going to welcome him into the city as king with shouts of, Hosanna to the Son of David! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord! Hosanna in the highest! Jesus did not hide who he was. When some of John the Baptist's disciples came and questioned him whether or not he was the one who was to come or should they expect someone else, well, Jesus said, Go and tell John what you have seen and heard. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised up, and the poor have good news preached to them. If that's not enough, we know that Jesus also forgives sins, which really caused issues with teachers of the law, the scribes, the Pharisees, because who can forgive sins but God alone? And even though Jesus made it clear who he was, people still didn't get it. Those Pharisees still didn't believe in him, and they rejected him and sought to kill him. Now, when Jesus was getting arrested, did you hear him say, "'But wait! I was circumcised on the eighth day. I'm from the tribe of Judah, a descendant of David. I followed the laws. I followed them perfectly. I've lived a perfect life. You welcomed me as king.'" The Virgin Mary is my mother, and God Almighty is my Father. No, he didn't say those things. Because to those who arrested him, he was seen as a lawbreaker, a blasphemer, because he claimed to be God. He claimed something to them that they didn't think could be claimed. There is only one God in their eyes, and it can't be Jesus. Jesus. And also Jesus didn't claim who he was because he knew he had to get arrested. In fact, he had told his disciples exactly that. That he was going to be arrested, that he was going to be killed and rise on the third day. And so Jesus' claim wasn't just talk. His claim was truth. In the words of Pilate, who we hear after Jesus is arrested, what is truth? jesus is truth he is the way the truth and the life no one comes to the father except through him and as jesus prophesied he was sentenced to death and he was crucified on the cross he died an excruciating death for us he took our guilt our shame our sin, our punishment, our death. He took hell to give us heaven. He was the perfect sacrifice because He was the perfect man and God. He was the Lamb of God who took away the sins of the world, and He did it on the cross. And so, for all of you and for your sin filled lives, for me, In my sin-filled life, Jesus died for us. Because it was the only way for us to be saved. It was his actions that won our salvation. Nothing that we can do, but everything that he could and did do. And that is why, just as he prophesied, on the third day, he rose from the dead. Because he did defeat sin, death, and the devil. And so everything you were before, the good, the bad, all the things that you think you are, all the things that you have done, who you say you are, and why that's so, count it as a loss. Count it as rubbish. Because it's not worth anything. It's not about your works. It's about Christ's works it's not about who you say you are it's about who God says you are God looks at you through the lens of Jesus Christ he looks at you through the cross and through the cross you are found in him You are declared righteous through Christ's death and resurrection. You are joined to Christ in his death and resurrection. And his righteousness, his perfection covers all of your sin. And we see that happen in baptism. And we'll get to see that next week. This is what happens as the word of God, which is all the truth that we need, reaches our ears, and the Holy Spirit works in us to create faith so that we believe in Jesus as our Lord and Savior, as the Son of God, as the Messiah, as the one true King of heaven and earth. And as we know of Jesus, the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus our Lord. And as Christ shed his body and his blood on the cross for us, he gives us his body and his blood in his supper for the forgiveness of our sins, for the strengthening of our faith, and for our salvation. So who are you? It doesn't matter what you say. What matters is what God says. And he says you are loved by him. You are chosen by him. You are redeemed, purchased, and won by him. You are forgiven by him. You are a saint. You are saved by grace through faith because of Jesus Christ alone. You are his own.